Thanks for listening to a new episode of Standby Secrets. This is Matt. And this is Millie. And today we have an exciting guest. Definitely our most experienced guest that we've ever had on the whole show. But let me have you introduce yourself, Daniel. Uh, I'm, I'm Daniel Shows. Um, and until recently, I was Senior Vice President Commercial at Frontier. And I've had a 27-year career total, of which 23 years has been in the airline industry. So I've I've had uh, I've had a lot of experience, all in in, in in within airlines, all in the sort of all in what the airlines call commercial, uh, which to people outside the industry means everything on the re- as I tell people everything on the revenue generation side of the business. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, so a quick a quick background. I'll I'll do this I'll do this chronologically. Um, I you can as people as people who know me know, and as my accent probably gives away, I didn't grow up in the U.S. <laughs> Um, I went to, uh, I, I grew up and went to university in the UK. Um, I'm lucky enough to be a dual US-UK citizen, thanks to my dad being American. And so I, my first job after university, I, I moved to Chicago, worked for United. Um, I worked at United for just over four years, um, primarily in, um, actually, Realize now I misled you. I did have one job outside of commercial, primarily in network planning. I started in in what was called what was called schedule planning, there, which was short term domestic planning. I then moved to uh, I then I then moved to long term domestic planning. I then moved to international planning. I then uh, t- I then I then took a job in finance as a financial analyst um, for nine months, and I got promoted to being a manager in domestic planning. Um, I left the, I left uh, United in uh, January 2001 as it, uh, to go to the Chicago Transit Authority. One of my one of my friends and former colleagues at United had gone there, and we'd stayed in touch. And I took a role uh, working for the EBP of operations. Uh, operations at CTA also included um, also included um, the planning the planning function as it <coughs> as existed the planning and scheduling function. Um, in that, in the special assistant role, I did I did a number of things. I worked. I was. I, I would. I led a. I led a redesign of our Lake, of our Lakeshore corridor bus services in Chicago. I, I project managed a uh, a class action lawsuit settlement we'd reached over violations with the Americans with Disabilities Act. I project managed the installation of uh, automated announcement system on our on our bus fleet. Um, I. I, I learned. I, I learned a lot. I learned. I learned about the cost of operations there, and I, I actually was able to prove that we'd cut too much service that, that had gone through years in the eighties and nineties of declining ridership, and they kept cutting service in response. And they'd gone um. to the point. <coughs> they'd gotten to the point where, under the union contract, they had to give paid lunches to to operators. And on the rail system, I started spotting that we were giving people two and a half hour lunches. I'm like, <laughs> and the contract requirement was thirty minutes. Uh, and I, I, let me figure this out. And then I, and, and then I learned that, that, that how the cost worked. And if you ran a four, we ran our maximum length of trains was eight cars. If you ran a four car train, it used unsurprisingly half half as much power as an eight car train. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you had operators who were being paid all that time to sit around, you had free operators available. And so if you just went back to splitting the trains, you could increase midday frequency on services. So I, I got I got in changes like that, which was which was which were which were fun, and it was actually a, it was a great place. To, Great place to find these find these opportunities, uh, and then for my last eighteen months there, I had probably the most, <clears throat> un, well, certainly the, the the most, the job in my career that's been the most most different from my everything else. Um, I was the general manager of one of our bus garages, so I had uh, two hundred 
240, opera 240 operators, um, about 100 about 100 mechanics, about 200 buses, uh, based based at the based at the garage. Um, it was on the southwest side of Chicago. Uh, for, for listeners to this podcast, about halfway between uh, halfway between downtown and Midway, <coughs> in the Brighton Park neighborhood, and uh, it was a it was an old building. It was a former streetcar barn built in 1908. It doesn't exist anymore. It's, but they closed it. It's been torn down. It's been replaced by a strip mall. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a fascinating it was a fascinating experience. Um, leading an operating leading an operating function operating division essentially, and uh, the the chance to experience that. Um, I I was getting my MBA part time at the University of Chicago while working at the CTA, um, and I, we, my wife and I. I got married, met my wife in Chicago, got married. We decided we wanted to live somewhere different. Um, I ended up, I, after I graduated, I took um, I took a role at Air Canada, um, initially as director of business development, working directly for the CEO. Um, and what would you do as director of business <laughs> development? <laughs> that was It was an intentionally amorphous job title. <clears throat> um, two, two, primary pro- two primary projects I worked on. In that role, um, one Air Canada was at the time going through a process uh, that has essentially since almost been reversed. But the post post the equivalent of Chapter Eleven, so the Canadian equivalent of Chapter Eleven is the is CCAA. Don't don't ask me to remember what it actually exactly stands <laughs> for. But Air Canada had been horrendously affected by the SARS the SARS outbreak in two thousand three because it because there was there was a, there's a very large recent generation Asian population in both Vancouver and Toronto, mm-hmm. um, and so it had, it it had it had it had really created revenue at the airline. There'd been second <clears throat> the second largest SARS outbreak in in the world after Hong Kong was actually in Canada. Oh, oh wow! Um, and um, so they um, they'd been through bankruptcy, and they one of the things they did in bankruptcy was try and split out the different bits of the company because they thought they could monetize. There was there was somewhat there was somewhat they'd, they'd seen Qantas do some of it. Um, Air Canada and Qantas have somewhat similar situations in terms of scale of country, relative relative position of the fla- of the flag carrier. Obviously, obviously prior to <clears throat> the other thing that the, other, the the unspoken other cause of the of the CCAA was actually that con- that Air Canada merged with Canadian or shotgun. Shotgun merged with Canadian <laughs> because Canadian was on the verge of collapsing. Was that was that like encouraged by the government to merge there? <laughs> yeah, they wanted. To, well, I kind of wanted to do it earlier and been turned down multiple times. And then then, <laughs> well, welcome to welcome to how things will work. Then then the then the government wants it to happen instantly when when it, when the other choice is Canadian goes out of business. Um, <clears throat> so, I worked. They they they'd split off Aeroplan and actually were on the verge when I got there of divesting it. Uh, they had split off uh, the the heavy maintenance operation and kind of technical services, and the next piece they were going to do was the ground handling division. And so I worked on creating. It's an interesting. It's an interesting experiment. It's it was it was creating a contractual arms, creating the basis for a contractual arms length relationship between the airline and and an, an independent ground handling subsidiary, <coughs> with the idea that. You had to balance things out in this situation. This wasn't turning. This this wasn't designed to turn Air Canada's ground handling into a traditional third-party vendor of the sort we see today. Could you compare it to DGS with Delta? <coughs> um, it, it wasn't even going to go quite. It wasn't even going to go quite. It was. It was going to. It was going to have to be more favorable to a to ACGHS because, um, well, you get into 
you get into unionization and seniority and relative relative average wages and average employee cost and I, 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 could, <laughs> I could spend a long time talking about the complexities of actually trying to get this done. It never did happen as it happened, but I actually worked on but I worked on making it happen and try. I was representing the Air Canada side of the <clears throat> the Air Canada side of the house, uh, and it was interesting to sort of try and figure out what what would and wouldn't work and. And then the other piece was we were we were working on a we were working on building getting a new building getting a new reservation system from uh, ITA Software, which at the time was independent, uh, since acquired by Google. Um, and because we had the advantage that we we had a very healthy market share, there was more willingness to take risk. Um, and figure out things we figure out things we could we could we could do to drive. To drive a much better web experience, to drive to drive to drive a fundamentally more retail-focused underlying model, not so much an airline operation operating underlying model, um, and that that was that was fascinating work. Um, I got an opportunity to to be to, uh, to be to take over the vice president of network role in two thousand six, in, in August two thousand six. So I had fifteen months as director of business development. <clears throat> was VP of net was VP of network and revenue to to start with, um, and then we were unusual for the scale of airline and having one VP covering both network and network and revenue. That was that that changed in two thousand eight. So I kept the network role and picked up alliances, um, and it was a and yeah, it was an interesting time. Um, Air Canada was doing reasonably was doing reasonably well and was expand was expanding, and then two thousand eight was. 2008 and oil yeah. prices were the most challenging experience I had been through in the I had been through in the industry, um, and yes, watching watching the costs go up and watching what watching look we're a long haul international airline fuels very fuels expensive we're mm -hmm. flying at the time we're flying at the time A three forty five hundreds to allow ourselves to fly Toronto Hong Kong nonstop wow um, and. They burned a lot of they burned a lot of fuel for not that many seats on the airplane, and it was an, it was it was it was challenging. We had to pull back. We we had to plan to pull back a lot of a lot of a lot of flying, and we had to sort of consolidate down the international the international network and the long haul international network in particular. Look, if we if we'd known that fuel was going to spike and then collapse the way it did in two thousand nine, we right. would have the, the the company actually had a bit more runway than that than that. But we had we had to be ready, and you have look. It's one of the things I'll say. When when things turn bad, you've got to be ready to make decisions quickly. And if they turn around, you just you can always go. You can always again. Airplane airplanes don't care. They don't wake up in the morning thinking, I went I went I went I went I went to Dallas yesterday. I have to go to Dallas today. The, airplane, <laughs> the airplanes not are not yet sentient enough to have thoughts like that and emotions like that. So do do what you need to do. Do what do what you need do what you need to do to um, to get the business into the right shape. Uh, and then as I and then. Uh, and then uh, there, were, there was a CEO change in Air Canada. I, uh, I, I, essentially, I essentially lost my job in that CEO change, and um, I uh, relatively quickly found other found other employment. Frontier was at the tail end of um, of, of Chapter Eleven bankruptcy protection. Um, Front Frontier, the same oil price spike that had caused all challenges at Air Canada, had sort of had felled a couple of U.S. airlines in early in at the end of March, beginning of April, two thousand eight. And led Frontier to seek bankruptcy protection in April two thousand eight. Uh, by the time I joined, it was clear Frontier was going to be able to was going to be able to get out of bankruptcy. Okay. Um, I started as VP of Network and Strategy. Um, Republic Airways Holdings had a 
had had a sort of not not at the time of bankruptcy court accepted bid, but a bid that they were de- they they were had debtor in possession financing. They'd made a bid for the company. Um, two weeks after no, no six weeks after I started, a day after my younger son was born, uh, Southwest who had Southwest suddenly decided they wanted to make a bid. Two weeks before the ba- bankruptcy court was supposed to make a decision on the uh, on the winning bidder, they suddenly decided they wanted to bid. It was a slightly Slight, slightly unnerving situation, personally, but that's. Uh, but uh, they knew they 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 knew they would have to get pilot agree, pilot agreement, and they couldn't. They'd left themselves too little time. If, if nothing else, they'd left themselves too little time to make it happen. So, the Republic bid was successful. Um, Republic took over October first, October first, two thousand nine. The company came out of bankruptcy. Um, during Republic's ownership uh, as part of a process of... They first thought they could integrate the airline more effectively into into and get the benefit of the the sort of overhead that Republic had to run their businesses. They discovered that it was a bit more complicated than that. And so, anyway, they, um, um, they, 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 they ultimately obviously sold the business and as part of getting ready to sell the business, they created more of a management structure back at Frontier and I... I was promoted in January 2012 to senior vice president of commercial, and that was the role I held. That was the role I held until until I left, and obviously saw a lot of changes at Frontier during 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 that during that time frame. Um, uh, from from an airline that was from an airline that was breaking even when in, when when it was bought by Indigo Partners out, out from from Republic to an airline that uh, that prior to the pandemic was one of the most successful in the U.S. industry. So. It's been a it's been a fun it's been a fun it's been fun a fun career so far. I'm 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 taking a bit of time off right now, and who who knows what who knows what happens next. Yeah, you're still very young. You have so much. <laughs> you're, you have so much life left. Um, I, I, I have opportunity left. I'm sure. Um, when you were in like bus operations, did you always kind of know that you were going to go back into aviation? Um, I thought it. I thought it was likely. Um, the thing I realized at the CTA. Um, and I, so it's an interesting balancing act, actually. So my, so I, I, I'll tell you a bit more about my background. We'll, we'll, ne- we'll never, we'll never get into anything. About <laughs> no, 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 we tra- love to hear it. No, no travel at this rate. But um, I was interested in. I, I, I'm lucky. Uh, I, I'm lucky that my career has been my vocation as well. Um, I, I was in. Int- I grew up. I, I, I grew up. We were a one-car family. My mother was a uh, was a. A pediatrician, which in the UK meant being a hospital-based doctor, because that's what pediatricians are in the UK. And um, uh, for for the first eleven years, I for the first eleven years I was alive. She worked at two different hospitals, and we so we had, we but we lived two hundred yards up the road from a train station, and a suburban a suburban London network train station meant and means today that from five thirty in the morning till uh, till midnight there are trains every thirty minutes. Into, I love that into, about into the London. UK. I, I, I do too. I miss. <laughs> I, I anyway. We, we could get into a discussion about that too, but I miss that. Uh, and starting at age six or seven, <clears throat> I'd become interested in in the timetables. Um, I went to uh, a secondary school. The second school I went to was in central London, so I had a twenty. I had a twenty-five mile commute to school every day. Um, 20, the twenty-two miles into King's Cross, and then which took half the time, and then the three miles to school, which took the other half of the time. Um, and um, I, I would come home and I would tell my 
to, to my father, who was a stay-at-home parent, I would tell him about what had gone wrong, and he encouraged me to write to the railways. And so I had a, I had a relatively, I, I had a relatively misspent, misspent uh, adolescence, um, being fascinated by trains and rewriting the timetables and sending letters to the people around the railways. And during my during my seven years at secondary school, I wrote 142 letters. Uh, yeah, I, this is uh, a great story. I, uh, I think you told it to me the very first time I met you. <laughs> I consult. I consulted. I essentially provide free consulting. I didn't at that age know it was free consulting. But that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was what it, that was what it was. And um, and 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 no one. I and I look. I'm, I'm a I'm a very strong believer in the importance of public transport. I'm a very strong believer in the, in sort of the the opportunity to make it better. Um, U.S. systems that. We could again get into a longer <laughs> discussion. Sh- Chicago has a good Chicago has a good transit system. Obviously, a train system that dates back to the, uh, the earliest part of the train system dates back to the eighteen nineties. Um, pre 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 pandemic, one and a half million daily riders, a million on bus, roughly roughly speaking, a million on bus, five hundred thousand on on the rail system in the city in 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 the city and nearby suburbs. Um, but what you discover working there is it. It is a remarkably, it, unsurprisingly, right? It's a public system. It's not. It's a. It's not a. It's not a city of Chicago system because it does actually operate in, in in other suburbs. So they're actually independent of the city of Chicago. But the politics, the politics, sort of get get get, get are involved as well. And so I, I thought, well, look, if I'm if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to have I'm going to end up taking a job where I'm really going to have to be conscious, really have to be conscious of that. And I'm like. I think there's more to learn. I think there's more to learn, and there's more to learn in airlines. And I thought, well, okay, great. I can go and I can go and live some, go somewhere different. And the opportunity, it was rationally because I knew more people in airlines. It was easier to go and get a job. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure if I'd really wanted to, I could have moved somewhere else and got a, gotten a job, job in a in a, in a transit system. But but it was easier to go. It was easier to go to an airline. And look. I, I, I won't lie. Pre pre kids, the travel the travel side of the, the the travel benefits of airlines are a nice are a nice were a nice advantage. Did as you well. get free uh free I've, bus and L line free, free rides? Bus, free bus and free bus free bus and train travel in the in the in the in the, in the city. Um, the employee card work. But there's no Z. There's no <laughs> there's Z. No Z. <laughs> the employee card work for that. We, well, yeah, transit's generally not expensive enough that you worry too you worry, you worry, you worry, you worry too much you worry too much about it. Um, yes, I could. Yes, I could ride. Yes, I did ride. Yes, I went to parts of Chicago I would never have probably gotten myself to if I hadn't been working. If I hadn't been working for the CTA, I learned a lot more about the city. I learned a lot more about a lot of things going on. But, um, but no, I, I thought it was made sense to get back to get back to air, to airlines, and I thought it was likely going to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the non-rev travel. Okay. Tell us about your first non-rev trip. So. I'm probably one of the unusual people who joins an airline, and I didn't. I truly had no idea about non-rev travel. I, oh, knew, no. I knew I knew I wanted to work for an airline, and I and I moved and I moved almost four thousand miles from home to come work to come live in Chicago and work for United. And I didn't. I, I my 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 offer letter talked about standby travel, but I I I truly didn't. I hadn't come. Th- I hadn't come with any particular knowledge of how it worked or what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. How so long did it take you to do your first one? My first trip. My my first. I'm. I, so I'm. I'm almost certain. I, I'm almost certain. My first trip was actually a trip back to the UK. That makes sense. To 
um, to go to to friend's house. We'd, we'd all graduated from university that summer, so it was my friends in the UK. It was their housewarming, house, housewarming parties. Oh, and oh nice. Course, I work for an airline. Of course I can come 4,000 miles <laughs> yeah. for, a, for a housewarming party. It's like riding the bus. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, it's... Well, at the time, so at the time, United had only just started um, Chicago London service. So the quirks, of, so American and United's Heathrow networks exist because of TWA and Pan Am. United's base authorities in London. We're a long way. We're a long way. <laughs> we're a long way from 1991 today. But United's base authorities in in London were were Pan Am were Pan Am were Pan Am authorities, and Americans Americans base authorities in London were the TWA. With the TWA route authorities, and um, Pan Am didn't fly Chicago London. Chicago was a TW in, in the way that the cities have been split under the Bermuda, Bermuda Two Air Services Agreement between the United Kingdom and the U.S. Probably the first guest to talk about Bermuda Two. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that l- since reading books. L- 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 <laughs> listeners, if you don't know it, look it up on the internet. You, you, you have the advantage, unlike when I was when I was a child, that you can go look it up on the internet. Um, so United wasn't allowed to fly. United bought London routes. Their hometown Chicago. They got. They had what they had. They had New York authorities. Unsurprisingly, with Pan Am, they had they had Washington Dulles authority because Pan Am flew Dulles. They had they had LA and San Francisco because Pan Am flew Pan Am flew the west Pan Am flew the west coast points nonstop from London. So they had they had the key points in their in their U.S. route network at the time had London authorities, but they didn't have Chicago. They did a mini deal. This was pre. This was pre Open Skies. They did a mini deal, where they got a where they got a Chicago one a single Chicago London frequency that could only be flown with a seven six seven. Interesting. It was so they start it and it's always full. Oh. Right. So. And who it had uh, was American flying it currently? American was flying it multiple. American was flying it. American took it and American. I, I don't want to be quoted on exact frequencies. I'm pretty sure American was flying it three times three times a day. Um, suddenly they were flying, I think, three times a day in the summer, two times a day in the winter. Because I can remember, I, I, I know the, the flight numbers are still the same flight numbers. The, the year-round flights were 86 and 46, and the summer extra was 66. Um, anyway, so I so I, I, I looked a, a week ahead, and I thought I was going to be able to get on Dulles, London. And then I watched as Dulles, London looked, was filling up and filling up. So my first non-rev trip consisted of my most interesting ways to get places I ever had to go through, I think. I flew Chicago, Dulles, Amsterdam, and at the time, other good history, United was flying Amsterdam and Brussels to London every day. And the airplane, the airplane that flew Dulles-Amsterdam continued on to London. Sure. And so I, <clears throat> I flew... I don't remember what cabin I was in on Dulles, London, but I do remember I was in first class on a three-cabin airplane. I was in first oh, class. Oh wow! On your first one on, on, on London, Amst- on Amsterdam, London, because there's nobody on the. <laughs> yeah, it's a triple seven, and there's hardly anyone on the airplane. Um, <laughs> I made it to London. So I made it to London. I make it to London ten o'clock on Saturday morning. The housewarming party Saturday night. And I have to get and I have to get I have to get home on Sunday so I can be back at work on Monday. <laughs> but you got there Saturday night. I got Saturday, Saturday morning. Saturday, Saturday morning. Saturday mid morning. Housewarming party Saturday night. And I have and I have to go home and I have to go home <laughs> Sunday to be back at work Monday. And I'm watching and I don't get on the sh- I don't get on the Chicago. Oh no. And I don't get on the first Dulles. 
I'm like, oh. <laughs> Welcome to the other side of this. And the agent's like, well, we've got seats to LA. I'm like, oh, seems like a long way around. But I'm like, she's like, well, you might get you might get on the late the late the second dollars, but it's looking like you might not. And if you don't get on that, there's nothing else right. you're going to be able to make it on. So you probably want to go to LA. So I so I <clears throat> so having flown via Washington and Amsterdam, which is only a little bit out of the way. Yeah. it's out of the way, but only so same much. direction. It's only so much out. Well, Amsterdam's a bit past London, but it's only so much out the way. Uh, on my way home, instead of flying 3,900 miles, I flew 5,500 miles and then 1,800 miles back to Chicago <laughs> on, a, on a rather long trip on the way home as well. That was my, introdu- that was my, introduction, to, that was my introduction to non-rev travel. Um, my non-rev travel took off. I had a colleague um, in planning at United uh, who was essentially a year, old, a year older than me. And uh, we were both, we were both in our early 20s. We're both single. Um, we're both, we have no commitments, nothing to hold us down. And we decided we would try and travel to Buenos Aires for the weekend together uh, in February of 97. And we went to JFK um, because United had non-stops at the time to Buenos Aires from Miami and JFK, and it looked like we would have no problem getting on JFK, and sure enough, we had no problem. We got that. I do remember that trip, and that was my first time getting first on Long Haul International. We got, for, we got first wow. out of, we got first out of uh, United employees could fly in any cabin available. Uh, if, you're willing, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're willing to pay the service charge, you could fly, you could fly in any cabin available. Um so we flew, we flew, we flew JFK, we flew JFK Buenos Aires. We had a weekend, we had a weekend in Buenos Aires. We came back, we came back via Miami, <clears throat> and and that started, that started two years of an incredible amount of travel. I, I, I won't be able to remember every last place I of went, course. but we went a, we, we I flew over two hundred thousand miles in nineteen ninety seven, and I didn't fly a single business trip. That was all non. That was all non-rev. So that's like every week, every other week at least. I flew. I flew three weekend. I think we we averaged. So I met my. I I I started going out with. I started going out with 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 the woman who had become my wife in in June of nineteen ninety eight. Prior to that. We were traveling at least two, if not three, weekend week, weekends a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and what share of that was long haul versus like just domestic? A lot, a, lot a, a, a healthy share was long haul. We went to in in, in between, be, between be, between when we started traveling together in early '97 and when it sort of petered out, broadly petered out in at the very beginning of 1999. Um, we we went to. We went. We went to London. We went. We went to. Pa- in fact, we went to Paris. We took a delivery flight of a United A three twenty. We went to Paris for the world. We went. We went. We went to France three times in four weeks. Wow. We were in. Par- <laughs> we were in France. We Did were you in- get any issues with, uh, you know, immigration, <laughs> customs? I I, I, I got. Uh, the place I got stopped and questioned about my travel patterns was LA coming back from Asia. That was, <laughs> that was what they always found. That was what they found suspicious. That's what they found suspicious. And Interesting. It's, it's always, what stuff must Did happen you get on that interviewed? route? <laughs> I got. Yeah. Well, the, the main part of this, they make you wait. The interview part's well. The interview part didn't take very long. The, the, the trick is they mm. take. They send you off into a room and they tell you you just have to wait to get your nerves <laughs> to, to make you as comfortable as possible. Um, 
so on Saturday, we went. So we went. We were in. We were in France. The we were in France the second, third weekend of June, which was the World Cup. Uh, not quarterfinals. Round of sixteen weekend. With, there was, it was nineteen ninety. You have an World incredible Cups memory. In yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of the schedule how it must have been, and we thought well, we'll go back. We'll go, if France is in the final, we'll go back for the final. Ah. We went back. For, we went back. We went back. We went back for the final. We watched it. We watched it, and there was a big. They had. A, the, 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 it was the finals at the Stade de France in Saint Denis, north of north of north of Paris. We didn't have tickets to get into, into the stadium, but there was a huge screen set up outside. You got because it was Saint Denis. You saw this wonderful multicultural crowd. After the game, we went downtown. The excite I'd never been. I'd never been. I'd never been in a in a city where the national team had just won. So, oh, one wow. of the most important tournament that they can compete in in any sport, and that in France, that's definitely the World Cup. And the Champs Elysees was was illuminated with the with the with the tricolor and the number, just the number of people and the pot, just that incredibly it was a warm evening it was a there was just an incredible party atmosphere it was just a wonderful place to mm-hmm. be we're back the next weekend in Toulouse because we're going to take delivery of an A320 and we were allowed to go on delivery flights just had to know who to talk to and we were on the 320 That's awesome. 320 delivery flight um on the Tuesday morning we we went we started we went we had a night in Paris. We went down to Toulouse. We had a, we had a couple of days in Toulouse. We, we we and it was Tuesday flight, and we we flew we flew um, we flew Toulouse, Reykjavik to United's then relatively new and now non-existent Indianapolis maintenance facility. <laughs> um, and uh, then and uh, no, that was that was awesome. Non when you're on delivery flights, the cop they're not flown under they're not flown under one three five rules. The cockpit doors open and. Mm-hmm. You can you can be in the cockpit and you can go and ex- enjoy and ex- the experience and there's no there's no one else on the airplane and it's yeah. uh, it's a very comfortable it's a very even if it's a domestic airplane it's still very comfortable uh, and I actually got to I got I got I was lucky enough to be able to repeat that repeated delivery flight this past January with my son um, from, oh, wow. from Hamburg on a Frontier A321 Neo. Um, That's awesome. The first one? The gr- Not the first one. Uh, a uh, no the. Uh, the sixth one, uh, one, two, three, four, five. So many six, of the them. Sixth, <laughs> sixth, the sixth, the sixth, the sixth one. Um, <laughs> Hamburg in January, a stop in, uh, a, a, a stop, a stop, a stop in, a stop in Gander, Newfoundland, in the middle of winter, and I had a ch- just walk around on a snow-filled tarmac and. There's nothing much out there, right? <laughs> in Gander. Well, especially, 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 in the, especially, in the, especially in the middle, especially in the middle of winter, especially in the middle of winter, but. Uh, it was fun. It was a day we were actually taking delivery of two airplanes the same day, and the other one came, the other one shows up before shows up before we before we leave, and then a nice flight a nice flight down to nice flight down to Tampa. But no, we we saw so we lots of times France, um, Italy. Um, we went to, we went to we went to Dubai. Uh, we went to um, we went to, we went to, we went to Germany. We went to Spain. Um, we did interesting trips at Thanksgiving. So. The, the 97 trip at Thanksgiving we did Dubai and London in the same week um, we had a we had an agree I forget what the agreement was exactly we had some we, this is this is a this, this is ID 90 times not, <laughs> Z, not Z fairs but we had, we had an agreement with, with Emirates so we oh nice and Emirates was a much actually, much actually, different I, airline at that time too right well it was a much smaller airline but it was still <laughs> the same it, it, it was, was it was gaudy and everything then like very oh it was outlook. well it was it was it was it was already it was well into the volume so the, so this is so Emirates started in I think nineteen if I remember right in nineteen eighty five 
by the late nineties, it was it was wide bo- it was wide bodies. It was yes, it was it, it was it was a lot of A three hundreds and A three tens, but yeah. it was wide bodies. It was frequencies that no one had seen before. These were sort of high free, still the, the, these were still good frequency markets. That we actually it's actually so that we actually I'm, I lied to you. We actually did Rome, Dubai, London in a wee. Um, and then um, in 1998, and this was an, there's an interesting story with this one. We did Madrid and we did Madrid and Rio. Um, we flew we flew United we flew United into into Madrid, mm-hmm. um, and then to get from Madrid to Rio, we had an agreement with Star had already started. We had a, a, we had I think ID 95s with 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 Varig. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a red eye from Europe. Yeah. We, we they they. They get us on the airplane. They tell us it's full and not sure when we get on. Then they get us on the airplane. Then it turns out what they've done, which you would never have happened on a U.S. carrier, and I don't know if you'd have happened on a Brazilian carrier today. Um, we are flying for for takeoff and landing. We are in crew rest, flight attendant crew rest seats, Ooh. and during the <laughs> flight, we are on the flight attendant jump seats because they're in the crew rest seats. Interesting. Mm. You don't get as much rest on the way. To, you don't get as much rest if you're in. in, in, if you're in if oh, you're, I forgot. Jumps. It's only takeoff and landing. <laughs> you're in the flight yeah. crew rest seats when they don't need them, and when got they it, do need them, it. you're on the jump seat. And like it was an int- It was a, it was one of the most interesting. That, you want you want my interesting stories? That wasn't it. That was probably the most interesting non-rev, non-rev experience. Uh, I I had. What aircraft was that? I want to say it was. I think it was an MD eleven. Oh well, I think I. I remember aircraft in some situations, and I don't. Yeah. Remember, I don't remember them. In, I don't remember them in others. And, and I am curious though. Whenever you were like doing this two hundred thousand mile excursion of your life, were you able to work remotely at that period no, of time? No, no, no. I, we had so we had so we had so United was a standard U.S. company at that point. We had ten days of vacation, but we also had a flat. We also had. A, that was in 1996. Never mind. You, That's what we have right now. So, in 1996, when you joined a U.S. company, if you got more than 10 days, it was it really it, it was a, it was it wasn't I wasn't I won't say there weren't companies out there that weren't giving more, yeah. but no, this was one of the things that coming from coming from a country where generally speaking, if I took a graduate job in the U.K., I would generally be starting with five weeks holiday. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! Come to the U.S. That would be nice. <laughs> come to the U.S. and it's two weeks. It's like oh. Um, but we also we had, we as part of so United had been through an employee stock ownership buyout in 1994 and there were, so in in man in headquarters there was there was a flex time policy it was it applied differently in different departments but broadly broadly you could earn up to one you could earn up to one flex day per month oh that's if work, nice if you worked longer than 40 hours which we tended, got it which we tended to yeah so um so so. It, there was essential. There was essentially addition. There was additional flexibility. But I didn't look. I was traveling so much. I couldn't. We took time. So we went. We went to. A, we went to Australia for the weekend. We went to New Zealand for the weekend. Yeah. So in those cases, that's not Friday. That's not Friday night to yeah, first thing yeah. Monday morning. We did took. T- we took Friday and Monday off to do those Got trips. It. Mm-hmm. It's still. You leave Thursday night, and it turns out you don't get to Australia till Saturday morning. <laughs> so you have two days in Australia, and then you could turn around and come home. It, it's look. It's the. Re- Look, it's Frontiers Go Wild Pass. I'll put in a plug for Frontiers Go Wild, <laughs> yeah. go, 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 go Wild Pass. It's the same concept, right? It's the, it's the same. It's the same concept for available to everyone. When travel, when the flight cost is is really low, and when the flight cost is really low, I will say in my case, when you're young enough that your body can handle the lack Absolutely. of sleep, mm-hmm. um, 
and 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 then yeah you and particularly and, and particularly if you're going somewhere accommodations cheaper some, yeah. some South America trips we took then you'll you find you you wouldn't think of doing things that are this crazy until suddenly it's placed in front of you and you can do things that are this crazy yeah and it's like of course of of course I'm going to do it I have a look I have a I I, I have a I have a warped sense by normal, normal human consumer standards of how long you take on trips. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking my kids. I'm, I'm taking my kids to Asia in November for the first time on on revenue tickets, and we're going. We're going to two cities, and we're going for a, we're going for a week. Is and, and, to- Tokyo and, and Osaka right? To- Tokyo and Singapore. And, oh yes, and yes. and um, and that's going to be and and. Fine for me. I'm not a week. That's fine. And my kids, yeah. my kids are 17 and 14. They'll yeah. They'll recover from jet lag. Fine. Yeah. Um, but the average the average US consumer would think you're flying that far and you're only spending that long there. It's like yeah. Do you really want to do that? Um, to which I would have pointed out. Well, originally you didn't have all that much vacation time. So what were you, what were you th- what were you thinking was going to be the be the solution? Which is why to some to be fair in the US, some of these destinations are students once in a lifetime. Yes, yes. it's yes. partly because of cost, but it's partly because of how much time they have available to tr- they have available to travel. Right. Exactly. So, so one of the I think one of the benefits of sort of the changes post pandemic is it makes it easier. You can see some of the, the big international airlines are benefiting because you can look if you could. If you can afford it, a four-day weekend in Europe. You're in New York. A four-day weekend in Europe yeah. is not an irrational idea. Mm-hmm. Possibly my way of doing that first trip with 24 hours <laughs> in Europe and rather more time traveling is not what most people would want to do. Yeah, it would. It isn't. I'll give you a hint. But but leave on leave on a Thursday. Come back on a Tuesday. Sure. So it's a nice it's a nice short break destination. People wouldn't think twice about doing it from New York to California. Europe's only another, yes. Europe's only another thousand miles away. Um, so no, it was it no we 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 no we went to, in South America we 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 went to Montevideo for a weekend we went to Iguazu we went to Iguazu we went to Iguazu Falls on the Argentinian side that's awesome we went to um we went we went to Rio we went to Sao Paulo we went to we went a different weekend to the United States line Belo Horizonte um, we went to we went to Santiago um, we went to um, and. <coughs> My first trip to Mexico, the place I went was Oaxaca. Oh, nice. Um, we did week we did we did week we did weekends in Sydney and we did weekends in Sydney and Auckland. Um, I had a friend. I had a friend who was teaching. This I went on my own. I had a friend who was teaching uh, English in Japan. I went to visit. I went to visit visit him. Um, went went to went to Hong Kong. Uh, went to um, Bangkok. For a long, for for a long, for a long, for a long weekend trip, um, made it. Yeah, went I went with a different friend from United to Dusseldorf for a weekend trip when we were flying Chicago. When we were flying Chicago, Dusseldorf. Um, yeah, got to got to got to experience. Got, got went went to Stockholm for a weekend. Yeah, we we, got, we went all sorts of we went all sorts of fun yeah. places. Like this, this menu of destinations is in front of you. This is the late nineties. Load factors are load factors at the time. Call it 10, 12 points lower than they are today at an industry level. Not the difference is not quite as large, to be fair, on international markets where it peak seasons. And part of non-rev traveling, right? Part of it is, did I, th- did I do, did I do lots of trips to Europe in in in, in between mid June and mid August? No, that's when that's when planes are full. Yeah. Yep. But it's also honestly, and this is my travel advice to people. I don't. I, I would joke, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you a story about Air Canada and what my coworkers thought we were crazy. But um, 
I, I don't go. To, I don't go to. I don't go to. I don't, certainly don't go to London for the. I, know, I, I grew up in London. I know not to go to London for the weather. You'll be. You'll run risks of being disappointed quite, <laughs> quite easily if you do. So just. I go because I have lots of friends there. I had. I had family there. I have. I, and and I pr I prefer London during during the forty six weeks of the year that are not peak summer. I don't like London. I don't like being around all these other tourists. I know I'm a tourist. I'm well aware. <laughs> I don't particularly like Paris in the middle of tourist season. Sure. I like it when it's quieter. Me I, too. I don't like as much crowd as possible. Uh, the, the, in some ways, the best time to be in London. And it, yes, if you, have to, you have to live with the short days. If you, if you don't like the short days. Mm -hmm. it's in some ways, the best time to be in London is actually January and February. When there's almost when there's almost there's almost no tourism in London, or there's, there's or what feels like if you're used to London any other time of year, it feels like there's almost no tourism in, mm -hmm. in London, and it, it just again th you, you get everything's easier, things aren't as things aren't as busy and cheaper. <laughs> definitely somewhat cheaper, yes. Yeah, depending yeah, on right. the destination. That, that's, right, that's right. That's right. No, but off off peak periods, definitely cheaper. In general, right, even for domestic travel, April, May, September, October. Months mm -hmm. with lower months with lower demand, generally with good weather. Yeah, again, you, you're a non-rev. Take advantage. Take advantage. Take advantage. Take advantage of the times you can take advantage of the times you can travel. Take advantage of the places you places you can go. I am curious. Um, you did work for United Air Canada and then Frontier. How did those three benefits differ from each other? And then also as you climbed the ladder, right. you know. Well, so so I was so. We had standby travel. At United. I was I was a I was a, an analyst and a man analyst senior analyst manager at United. Standby travel. S A eight A I think was if I remember right. <laughs> it was the priority code. Um, it was it was it was in the way it worked was entirely seniority based. There was nothing nothing about check-in time or anything. Oh, okay. it, was purely, it was purely seniority, which meant you could look at standby lists ahead of time and figure out what your figure out what you were. What what, the, what 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 your possibility was, um, and no look that first that first trip I took to London, again I I'm planned on the way out. I know I'm not. There's too many standbys. Chicago's filled with United employees. Um, Miami was the easier place to get to for South America. JFK was hard to get to. We had to fly. We flew Chicago LaGuardia and then transferred to JFK. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's how we. That's because because what? JFK wasn't easy to get to for United employees. And yeah. United had the routes from JFK because Pan Am had those routes okay. from JFK. That was. These were. This was the Pan Am bankrupts. This was the Pan Am. This was. The, this was the Pan Am liquidation auction, and United picked up Pan Am's South America. South America authorities, and so they were JFK. They were JFK and Miami authorities, and so at the time United. I, I, I was I was behind I was partly behind United starting Chicago Sao Paulo. We oh wow. We, we we were able to move things around and we were just flying we were just flying places that we didn't have hubs and it was like there seems to be an opportunity and sure enough there was. Um but it was it, it was partly it was partly nowhere nowhere the nowhere the nowhere the normal rev travelers are and nowhere they aren't and nowhere nowhere you're gonna because if you're smart it, Airlines are filled with a lot of different employees, and some some employees are taking these trips at low frequency and not paying a lot of attention and just want to be able to get on a flight. And they're not going to be the people thinking of the creative ways to get there. And if mm -hmm. you can find the creative ways to get there, then you 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 might find some creative ways where there's less where there's less there's less competition for seats. Uh, and you might find that's a better you might you might you you you're more likely to get out that way. And certainly in the big networks, there's there's more of that opportunity. Um, as, at Air Canada, I was hired as a director, and directors and directors and officers had positive space. Had positive space travel. It was a pretty generous. It was a. It was a. It, well, it it was a pretty generous 
um, positive space travel deal. When I first got there, you could book any, you could book any open inventory, any flight. You, we we booked, we booked into, if we, you had access to business class. We booked into the second highest business class bucket and the second highest economy cabin bucket. So you could you didn't you didn't have last you didn't have last <laughs> Matt's face. You didn't have last you didn't have last seat availability, but you had good availability. That's really generous. <laughs> when I first started, it was you, you could book anything. I, 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 if you book far enough out, it's always yes. They changed it so you could only book tw- you could only book twenty one days in advance. Oh, so that's still so, pretty good. Oh, absolutely! No, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's a, well. No, and most and look, most U.S. airlines generally directors and officers get yeah. positive. It's a North the North America standard is directors and officers get positive. Broadly speaking, get positive space. Um, at Air Canada, so we we traveled. Um, I we, we we once once I met my wife, we traveled, but I didn't. I stopped traveling at the incredible, <laughs> incredible and early rate. Um, we 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 took we took trips we took trips within Canada because we 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 moved to Canada and hadn't and hadn't seen hadn't seen the country we had a lovely we had a lovely week we had lovely weekends in both um, we had lovely weekends in both uh, uh, both in Vancouver and then in then in, then then in then Calgary but mainly Banff Lake Louise and the beautiful area up in the up in the Canadian up in the Canadian Rockies um, we. We, the last trips we so my older son was born in Canada. Our last our last big trip before he was born, we took a we took a trip to we took a trip to France, which I learned French growing up. One appeals of Montreal was it was francophone, and I I learned French growing up in the UK. I discovered that Montreal's version of French is not quite <laughs> is not exactly the same as the French version of French. That's what happens with languages, um, especially in the era before air travel. Um, if, if that's when the separation occurred, um, and so I, we 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 went to we went to Mar- we went to Marseille, Avignon, and Lyon for a for 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 a trip for a trip for a trip before for a trip just the the summer before my my son was born. After my son was born, we he he his first my my so his first trip so he's born in right. We want to go see his his grandparents in Phoenix. He's he was born October fifteenth. We applied first. We had they told us apply for his Canadian passport first. We applied for his Canadian passport when he was four weeks old. We then go to the U.S. consulate in Montreal and apply for his apply for his U.S. passport, which they expedite. We take a practice first trip with him to Toronto uh, when he was seven weeks old. We oh go, wow! Do an overnight in Toronto, um, and then at eight weeks we do his first international trip. We go we go to we go, wow. we go, to, we go to we go to Phoenix via I think we went. By a Chicago. yeah, we I think we did. We went we went by a Chicago, um, uh, to uh, to to Phoenix, um, and on the way out, then we flew back flew back to Phoenix, Toronto, Montreal, um, and so he got he was traveling from an early age. Um, we were that that was the start of that was the start of learn, learning when they're not mobile it's okay to have them in it was okay to have him when he was on a lap infant and wouldn't move wouldn't couldn't walk <laughs> it was okay to be in, bu- in business class we we were smart enough we we realized once he was st- started walking on longer flights if it was better just to sit in economy and not if if you have a kid walking around in economy it's one thing if you have a kid sure. walking around in business class it's something different and um he he lo- we, we 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 would we tended to take we I like daytime flights to Europe because they you you're not missing out on sleep and if you're in the eastern part of the US it it reduces jet lag it costs if you don't have any free if you if you have free accommodation it's fine because it's an extra night of accommodation 
And, and if you avoid the jet lag, all the better. Um, and so he was awake, and he would walk the 767, and he would walk around the airplane, and walk around the airplane, and and some most of the flight tents were nice about it. Occasionally, <laughs> they, occasionally they weren't too happy, but he got, he liked getting his exercise that way. And he uh, he, he he took it. He, he's taken he's taken a lot more trips to Europe than the average than the than the average <laughs> teenager has. Um, so we've we've traveled we've traveled quite a bit with the kids, and obviously positive space makes it easier. And look, when you're traveling with when you're traveling with a family of four, it's it's obviously nice to get it's it's nice to know you're going, and it's nice to know you're. You're 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 confirmed. Does positive space work for like all of your companions, and or is it just for your immediate family? So so it, it works for your it works for your well. I've never had I've never I've never had to think about it that way. So I've I've always had an immediate family. So it's for me it's for me it's been for me it's been my wife, my kids, and when they were alive, my parents also got also got also oh, okay. got, also got pos- also got positive space. Um, so. The main difference at front. The main difference at Frontier is that it's a one. Ca- it's, it's a it's a one cabin airline. Yeah. So yeah. Positive space. Positive space. Um, in both cases, it is. I've I've always treated it. Like, look, I mean, having been having so coming from the revenue side of the business, I'd rather a revenue customer gets the seat than me. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> um, that's always generally better for the financial performance of the airline. Yeah. Last I checked. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we had, we've had, I, I almost got bumped off of, uh, we were going on a business, I was going on a business trip with my boss in, to China or Air Canada, and there'd been a cancellation the previous day out of Vancouver, and so they, mm-hmm. they, they bumped us off. We were going for business meetings in China, including with Chinese government officials, and it was oh. determined that that was probably a trip not to be a shop late for, so we, we, re, we he, he got us reinstated on the flight. Um, on my last, on my last flight on Air Canada Benefits, um, the the Canadian rules were to, that you could fly one flight attendant had to be on for every forty passengers. Not it wasn't related to seats; it was related to passengers. Um, provided you met emergency ex- minimums for emergency exits, and we were in Frankfurt coming back from a trip from a Christmas trip where we'd gone to London and Munich, and we were, we were in Frankfurt to fly home via Tor- we were going to come fly in Frankfurt, Toronto, Denver, and they tell us that they there's the there flight attendant called in, has called in sick. They're gonna fly. They can fly the flight, um, but uh, they're gonna have to take. They're gonna have to go with the twenty-nine seat restriction based on number of flight attendants. So we, again, I'm there. I have my phone. I'm checking what's available. I figure out. Okay, they come up with the the only way they can see us to get us to Denver is on our Canada flight. So they try and tell me I can go to Montreal and overnight and go the next morning in Montreal Denver. Um, I'm like, well, we have other. We figure out another option, so we flew to we flew to Cal we flew to Calgary and then took a United took a United flight and two very two relatively small children and a very long travel day and they they held up better. There was one crying outburst in Calgary Airport and then <laughs> and, and then and then by the time we got back to Denver, which was which was uh, 20, 19 hours after they'd woken up, uh, they were both they were both just about at the end of their. I mean, their, I would their, too their, as a full grown adult. Their, 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 their limits, but no, they're they've. They've traveled a lot. We've made sure they're great travelers, and they 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 know they know what they're doing. They they they, they, they were uh, as as eight and nine year old kids. They were often better in security lines than the adults around them. So. Aww. Well, we exp- anyway. It's all about exp- parenting. Is about partly about setting expectations. I think partly it's your lucky luck of the draw with the kids you have, but partly yeah. it's about setting the right expectations. And like, you like traveling great, then you're going to behave, then handle yourself. And then at Frontier, is that would you say that it's about the same, just with 
It's about it's about the same. Yeah. So look, I I uh, I there was a night we used to one Republic owned the company. I had to go almost. I had to go regularly to Indianapolis for staff meetings. There was a there was a night when there was a night when the flight was full and I was I was correctly bumped I was correctly bumped off bumped off the flight. Um, I think so. I had the advantage that for a number of years I had on my I had on my badge um, uh, three magic letters that were very nice to have. Uh, ACM additional crew member. It, there's a very small number of the, so apart from the normal expectations of sort of dis, dispatch can go in the cockpit. Obviously, other pilots can go in the cockpit. There's a very small number of, of management roles outside of uh, if, if you're if, you, if you're the VP of flight operations, you can go in the cockpit. If you're <laughs> chief operating officer, you can go in the cockpit. If you run SOC, you can go in the cockpit. But outside of operations, there's a very small number of roles. But if you're in charge of the network design of the airline. You can have you can have that, those letters on your those letters on your badge. Nice. And so and so I, there were there were there was at least one case where I and I, I sometimes rode in the cockpit because the pilots wanted pilots wanted me to ride in the cockpit. But <laughs> you work in a senior management position. Sure. They, they know you. They ask. They like. Are you willing to sit up front? If you, uh, yes. I, I, it's a it's it's an amazing experience. The first time it's an amazing experience. I would I still t I would to this day I think it's a wonderful experience to be in. To be in the cockpit the first time I did a night landing in Denver, it was oh, that's it was awesome. it was it was amazing. Um, and again, if if you get the opportunity if you, from a, from a job perspective, sterile cockpit below ten thousand feet. Don't sit. No one. No one necessarily. No nothing. No. You're sitting there. You sit there quietly. Mm -hmm. Between 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 taxi between the start of taxi and ten thousand feet elevation, above ten thousand feet, they generally they, they generally they want if, if they most of them want to talk and. It's only to me they wanted to talk. So, depends if they're in negotiations, negotiations or not. <laughs> there was a period I was less willing. There was a period I didn't want to fly in the cockpit. <laughs> yes. Now, when we talk about not outside of the positive space with Z benefits between those airlines, I think from my small understanding, there's quite a big difference between each of the yeah, different no, airlines, no, different the, agreements, the, the, and things. The, the, so, so look, the, the 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 big the big legacy the big legacy carriers, have, broadly speaking, have. So if you look at where Inter you look at the history, right? So Interline was Interline was standard. Inter Interline for staff came about because Interline existed for pass for pass for passengers, sure. and that's partly where these benefits showed up from. So the bit the big airlines, the big airlines have have agreements with but all their all their alliance partners, but they have agreements also with all all the other airlines who are in competing alliances because they traditionally and still do Interline with almost all those airlines. And yeah. so you have a lot of you have a lot of access. There are look it's at Z level, so compared to flying online, it's still it's yeah. still more expensive and it's still lower priority. You're still you're going to always you're almost, even as a standby traveler, you're almost always going to do you're going to be in a better position relatively on your own flights. Yes, but that said, outside the U.S., there isn't the same generosity of employee travel benefits for airlines as there is in the U.S. In the U.S. in the U.S. in North America, right? It's unlimited. It's an even if it's standby, it's an un, it's essentially an unlimited benefit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, in other parts of the world, it's a more limited benefit. It's sometimes there is no standby. There's only disc, there's only discounts on good discounts, but discounts yeah. on, on retail on retail fares. Mm -hmm. Or if there is standby, it's limited. It's limited use. So, yes, the the benefit of having these agreements, especially if you're traveling outside the U.S., is yes, there are fewer. There are relatively speaking, in many cases, fewer non-rev, fewer not fewer non-rev customers. Yeah, no, at a at a, at a ULCC where where, yes, one were a young one 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 it was a younger airline, right? 
Frontiers Frontiers 28. If I get my if I get me it was 29 years old. Um, and um, and and obviously certainly different competitive position in the marketplace. Sure. So a different so a different so a different a different a different range a different range of agreements. From a frontier perspective, it, it's, it's actually most it's it it's obviously it's obviously the biggest difference compared to working in a big U.S. airline is much less access to U.S. domestic travel. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, it's not as, it's not as good for long haul international, but there is there's there's a relatively good range there's a relatively good range of longer haul longer haul agreements at frontier. There's just not a there's not there's not a good there's not there's not a long list of there's not a long list of shorter haul of shorter haul travel opportunities. I've taken advantage of it either way. <laughs> um, no, and that, they exist, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, it's, and, and, and look, if nothing else, right, having other airlines is having other having other airlines beyond the one you work for is options. Yeah. It's if your airline schedule works great, but if you don't go on your flight, knowing you have the access to these other flights, and look, today, I rem- I remember when you had to go and walk to ticket counters and get people to write things out for you, right? as opposed to going on this going on this nice mobile device and just. And for other airlines, were you totally in the blind at that time? You so what loads and things. What you what I would so it depended on the airline. I knew I knew I knew a few people. So it depends. So at American, I knew I knew a couple of people I could ask. For example, when I worked at United, I knew a couple of people I could ask at American. I, I had I I knew the trick of asking at. If you if I was going to get something written 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 out, I, you ask at the counter. The counter agents are generally happier to tell you things because they don't understand. They don't. They're not trained in the relative sensitivity <laughs> of information the same way. Um, so, you you were, I, I was yes I was relatively blind. You could watch. I could always I could look. So even at United, I right, I had access to our had access to Apollo. I could see OA availability. So I could Up see. To I like- could, I could see inventory class up to nine seats. Okay, right? so I could see. That's uh, basically my ID right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You could see. You could see enough. You can see enough to, to have a sense of a sense of is this is this is this re, is this reasonably is this reasonably good or is it or is it not? Um, and and yes. And look, you don't what you don't. Yes, you get into some international markets. You used to get into. Used to get into the some international markets, incredibly high no-show rates or incredible levels of overbooking. So generally, it worked out. In fact, you were more likely, as if you know revenue management, you're more likely to find yourself benefiting from a non-rev situation when there is incredible overbooking because it's more variability. But um, you didn't always know that, and sometimes then someone tell you, "Well, the flight, the flight's forty overbooked." It's like, well, that's relevant only if that's that's relevant. But I need to know what your cap is. I don't need to know. Forty overbooked sounds awful, but <laughs> it might be just fine. It might mean that you have forty empty seats on the flight at the end. So, if you could point out a specific uh, trip, is there or I, yeah, I guess <laughs> that you, what you say that's your biggest success or you're proud of it, whether it was you know where you got people that you took with or just something creative you figured out. Uh, well, so there was so July Fourth weekend, nineteen ninety seven. Was it 97? I think it was 97. I mean, it was 99. Oh, no, I think it was July 4th, 90, I think it was July 4th, 99. Um, I was going with a different friend from United. Um, we wanted to go to Hong Kong. And we were flying at the time, what, at the time were low-density, 
They were low density 747-400s. They had uh, they had a configuration of 36 first, 123 business, 100, wow, 142 economy. That's got to be one of the highest amount of business class seats besides I, I, like I, it Singapore was, now, it, it, it right? It was it was. Yeah, and well, they, so they they'd first come about. So United had gone in this direction when they were flying. So when they first started New York Tokyo flights, they were flying with with seven four seven two hundred two hundred aircraft, and they put they needed Pan Am had flown them with SPs. When United first acquired Pan Am's Pacific Network, they got SPs. They, the SP was an was a was a horribly fuel inefficient <laughs> aircraft. It was a shortened seven four seven for ultra long haul flying, but you're burned just as much fuel, right? Yes, and when you're sh- and shortening air, shortening sh- shortening airplanes tends to lead to inefficiency, tends to. Um, uh, so United want to replace it with with normal with normal size seven four sevens. The first thing they had was was high, was rel- was was the most the youngest seven four seven two hundreds in Pan Am's fleet. They put those in a low density configuration, and then when they, then then when they got the four hundreds, they t- took a small number. That the initial use was. The initial use was for range reasons on New York Tokyo plus plus for plus for demand reasons. We had a single Chicago Tokyo flight, and the the premium cabin demand was so good that it made sense to fly the low density aircraft. The low density aircraft. You can look. You can look at United today with the with the with the low density seven six sevens and see an equi- a d- different geography, but the same same concept going going on. Just that number, though, that sheer number. I, is there anybody that's even doing that right now? That amount, um, I can't think of any. Well, well, what is how much is Singapore? The you, I, 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 I'll look it up while you, you, can, <laughs> you, can, you can look, you can look it up. I don't, I, I can't. It was like, look, no one else in the U.S. was doing anything like that. It was anyway, low number of seats, three hundred seats, but we still were weight restricted on Chicago, Hong Kong. It was seven thousand seven hundred miles. It was the longest range route the United was flying at the time, and. Oh well, I have, I have a different one to tell you as well. But that, <laughs> anyway, but we're all, so we're waiting at the gate, and they're like, "The pl- well, you're not going to get on." And I'm like, "We're going," and we decided we're going to wait and see. Okay. And that there's too much cargo, and then that so the, the because cargo was so profitable on the route, they they would prioritize cargo over they certainly they prioritize cargo. Over, <laughs> well, they they definitely prioritize cargo over non-ravs. They 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 would hold back booking. They would actually hold inventory lower than the actual load cap on the flight sometimes to allow mm-hmm. for the cargo to fly um, and then they discover they, then they discover once all the cargo's loaded that there's less on the plane than they'd expected oh good but they'd upgraded the, but they'd upgraded they'd already gone through an upgrade process of putting economy customers into the business class seats because they were being nice because it was July 4th weekend and they were just being nice and putting people up there and and they're like, well, we've run out of we've run out of business class seats, so you're going to have to fly an economy. But the good news is, you're going to have you're each going to have four seats to yourself in economy. Like, okay. The whole point was to get on, and it was like, and it was great because this flight with the flight got towed to the end of the runway to avoid burning fuel on taxi out because of how full it was because of how how long range it oh, was. Oh yes, yeah, okay. Yeah, on those okay. days, so the plane would get towed to the end of runway 30, 32 left. It would it would have to leave from the longest runway at the time. And you got towed out, and the and, and that engine start was at the end. Engine start was just before you turned onto the runway. It was a it was a fascinating operation, but actually the first so my my first international trip with my with with my with my with cat with Kathy, then my girlfriend was going to be to go see my parents, go see friends in in the UK, and that was, so I started going summer '98. We this was. 
this was uh, new. This was just uh, this was New Year '98. I'd been working ridiculous hours. Um, the previous night, I'd pulled an all. I'd pulled an all nighter. I went home. My, my colleague took me home to, sh- <laughs> to shower. Anyway, and I'm watching the flight. To, we're, going, we're on the second. By then, there were two flights to London, and we're on the late one. And it's looking great. And we're going to get we're going to get business class, and it's going to be a lovely, comfortable flight to London. And then, just before I'm about to leave the office to to go, I notice suddenly the flights showing no availability. Um, there'd been a, there'd been a mechanical issue. They cancelled Dusseldorf oh. and put everyone on the London flight. So my trick, which I was, I could log onto the computers at the airport. So I would watch. I would to, to reduce my anxiety. I'd just I'd go onto an empty gate and watch the standby lists and watch what, <laughs> watch how full the flight is for and watch the check-in levels and see see what was going on. And we we watch and it's looking bad. And we go to the gate and they tell that there's there's standbys ahead of us. And they tell everyone no one else is getting on. Um, and I and I and I told Kathy, I'm like, we're just gonna wait here. Um, everyone else left. Okay. Don't ever leave the gate until the the plane is pulled off. Unless you have other. <laughs> That's good options. advice, though, yeah. General. We wait. <coughs> Thankfully, everyone else left, though. Don't tell everyone. Well, all right, fine. Tell yeah, everyone, don't tell everyone. Tell everyone, <laughs> tell, everyone, tell everyone not to leave. The problem is if everyone had taken, if everyone had taken your advice, then, we, yeah, you're right. then we, we, we wouldn't have been on that flight. No, but you know only the, the smartest uh, non-reverse listen yeah. to this. I'm just okay. <laughs> yeah, this was, a good, this was a good example of never leave the gate until the plane door is closed. They go on, they check, they discover that there's two empty seats. There's two of us. We get to fly to London. It wasn't, as it turned out, business class. It wasn't two seats together. It was one seat in row 30 and one seat in row 43, which was the very last row on the 767. Um, but we got, but we made it to, we made it, we made it to, we made it to London. So that was, uh, that was another, that, London doesn't sound like it should be an incredible success, but we made it, but <laughs> we made it, we made, we made it on our first long haul trip together and we're still together today, 20, uh, 25 years later. So Yeah, that's so sweet. Did you, at that point in time, was she also working for the airline? No, she, or was, you... she, was, she, was, she was doing a PhD at Northwestern. Oh, okay. So what was your, like, biggest mistake then in that case if you do, like, a 180? I, so I, <clears throat> I truly haven't had, I, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten caught anywhere. I haven't. Wow. I have, I have, I have, I, that's a long career to have not gotten caught anywhere. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Something will suddenly come back to me after, <laughs> after, after we're done. I'm trying to think of that. I'm trying to think if there was ever a case. I. There was a morning in Miami where we couldn't get on the Chicago nonstop, so we flew via Atlanta, and then uh, we found the thing about booking a big airline is that you, you end up with you end up with options. So you end up with sort of if 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 if, the, if thing one doesn't work, then. Normally there's normally there's thing two, and if thing two doesn't work, then mm-hmm. normally normally there's thing three. And yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't try, I, I didn't try and non-rev. I, so look, the advantage of not being right, the advantage of not being American is I didn't have family in the U.S. to go to for Thanksgiving. I didn't have family sure. in the U.S. I had to go to for the holidays. So I wasn't trying to travel the same time everyone else was trying to travel to the sort of places everyone else was trying to go. Mm-hmm. My grandmother lived in my grandmother lived in New York, and the good thing about flying from Chicago to Chicago to New York, we flew so much frequency that Thanksgiving, yes, there were high volumes, but there was so much frequency that once you got through the peak travel 
times. Yeah. By seven o'clock on the Wednesday evening, even yeah. even a time when almost everything was full, by seven o'clock on the Wednesday evening, Chicago LaGuardia's tended to have seat tended to have seats seats available. So you can normally get on I could normally get on going somewhere that wasn't as popular to go to. Um no, I I'm, I'm, I really I I think what also helps you is that you have such a positive attitude that even if it's like kind of going well, wrong, you're like. <laughs> well, look, look, and and my and my wife, my wife has the same sort of. My wife has the same sort of. We'll find us. We'll find a solution. If it's not working, there's not. The trick about the trick about the trick about non-revving, right? Is be flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watch it. I've I watched it this summer in consumer. I watched it actually a little bit in consumer reaction to go wild past this summer. Some customers, a lot of customers who took the go wild past, love it. They, mm-hmm. But but you have to understand what it is and what it isn't. It's not. It, it was a confirmed one day in advance product. If there is, if the flight sold out one day in advance, then you don't get to confirm your seats. That's not how that works. Um, but if you're flexible, if the idea is you live somewhere where there's ten places you can go and you can get to eight of them, provided you didn't set your heart on the ninth or tenth, yeah. then great news, you can go somewhere. Yeah. The great thing about the great thing about when I was again, I, I hadn't traveling so much. I had we had no commitments. We we didn't book hotels until we knew where we were go, until we knew where we were going. And we had we had enough confidence we were going to get there. You could if some if, if it got full on if something got full before we left we were, yeah we were conscious that yes you had a few more days till the return but the nice thing right about longer haul travel is you don't get you don't get as much late you don't get as much last minute booking except in some unusual situations you don't broadly get lots and lots of so if there's if there's forty empty seats when you leave on a Thursday. On coming back on the Sunday, there's not likely to be 40 seats sold between the Thursday and the Sunday mm-hmm. in most cases. So you, we, yeah, we took, we took risk. We didn't take, we didn't take I, again with lower overall load factors. There was more up, there was more opportunity. I see why now. I you know many of the retirees and things like that. Uh, a lot of complaints that I hear is like. It's not the same as it used to be. You, it's impossible to non rev yeah, anymore. Well, well, I, well it, I, that, that puts I, a good context, right? Where they might have been working. <laughs> I, 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 I hear the impossible. So, and, and look, and I also, look, I take all of that with a grain. I take, Absolutely, I take all of that. It's, with a, it's with the a, one route they didn't get on. Now with, it's impossible, with, right? With a, with, a, with, a, with a grain, with a grain of, with a grain of salt, right? If the, if there are, if the, if, if, if an airline has operational challenges, yes, you're going to have a harder time for a few days. If it's the very peakest demand and you're trying to travel on the very peakest travel day, yes, you might have some problems. But the industry runs the industry runs now broadly mid eighty mid to upper eighties load factors. That's still a lot. That's yeah. still a lot of empty seats on airplanes. And yes, there are more empty seats on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, <laughs> and there are fewer on Fridays and Sundays on the flights but, to Fargo. <laughs> but, but but no, I think there's still lots of opportunity to take advantage of the travel. There's still there's still lots of opportunity, and again, tr- try somewhere. The thing about when it's this cheap to travel and you work for an airline, go go places you go places you wouldn't otherwise have gone. Yes. Go, go and expect. Go, go. Would I have ever? Would I have ever? Would I have ever picked out of a lineup a weekend in Dusseldorf? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> but it was a fun weekend. The cathedral, um, right? They have a huge cathedral there. And the, and the, and the, and 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 that part of it. That that. Okay, I, I Okay, I've. 
this was this was this was this was the late nineties when the US didn't broadly speaking have good beer available, and you go to you go to that part of Germany, you go to that part of Germany, you go to that part of Germany, and there's 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 good, there's, good, there's good beer, and 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 it, and, it, and no one, look that. I find it interesting. I find it interesting to go so, so especially the the, the biggest global cities. The, the downside in some ways, they're exciting and they're fun places, but you you walk around the retail areas and. You, especially today, now you see the same brand. Yeah, go 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 to the fancy shopping streets in any big city around the world, and you'll see the same brands over and over again. Go to a second tier city, second tier international city, and yes, you'll see some of the same brands, but you'll see more. You'll see more unique stuff. You'll see. I, I love I love going to supermarkets. I'll go somewhere for a weekend. I'll, go, I'll make sure I go into a super. I love seeing super. I love I, I love going grocery shopping. That's so true. I, lo- I, 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 love I never see, thought of that. I love going to see supermarkets in other countries and see what they see what's on see what see what see what see how it's, see what the products are see what's available see the differences in the differences in what people eat and what what what's available. Yep. <laughs>